Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Many years ago, I was teaching a course at a local university, and the room was filled with serious mathematicians and scientists and engineers. And before I began the lecture for that day, I asked a very common question that I asked. I asked, does anybody have any questions before I begin? And one of my students decided to try to insert a little humor into the experience and asked me, yes, uh, what is the meaning of life? And that was a really simple question for me to answer. I just simply took the chalk and I went up to the board and and I wrote this equation on the board. I said, life is an optimization problem that can be described with the following linear equation, and that is that life is equal to love to the X plus acceptance to the Y, the pursuit of meaning to the Z and purpose to the W. And I explained that The purpose of life or the meaning of life can be defined as an optimization problem. This equation, this problem, it is the pursuit of optimizing this equation for the unique individual and the desires that they have. And then I looked at the class and asked, uh, are there any other questions? And of course, the students were a little bit confused. They seemed to be a little distracted because I suppose no one had ever attempted to answer that question before. And so... I just turned around and grabbed the eraser, and just as I'm about to erase the equation, I hear this huge outcry where people are calling out, they're yelling out, No! Don't erase that! Don't erase that! And most everyone was really busy at that moment then trying to write down this equation before I erased it off the board. Now, what's important to understand here is that life is a very serious matter. People are very interested in life. They're very interested in what our purpose is here. They're very interested in having some meaning to the life that they have in front of them. They want to experience love. They want to experience acceptance. These are very important issues in everyone's life. It's a very serious matter. But, you know, there are many ways of describing life and what life is about And one of the ways that I think a person should consider looking at life when you look at what the purpose of life is or what life is about is to think about it as a collection of problems that a person will need to solve. I presented one equation just to define life as a problem and a way to solve the problem. But in reality, the entirety of life, our lives, the lives that we live as people, can also be defined as a set of problems, a collection of problems. You know, when we wake up in the morning, we're faced with a number of problems in general. People wake up in the morning, they start their day, and they realize that there are a number of problems that they have to solve. There are a number of things that they have to deal with that demand their attention. For example, it shouldn't take very long before a person realizes that they're hungry. And hunger is a problem. You have to solve this problem. 
If you do not feed yourself, if you don't find some way to get some food into your body, then eventually you're going to experience some more serious problems. You are probably going to start your day by waking up in the morning and you're going to be in a house or you're going to be in a hotel. You're going to be somewhere, maybe in a tent. You're going to be someplace. And where you are is significant because what makes you think you're going to stay there? Some people have to pay rent. People have to make mortgage payments. You have to pay property taxes. I mean, this is a problem. The problem is, is how do you stay where you are? Or at least, how are you going to secure this location so that when the day is over, you'll have a place to rest again? In order to solve these problems, people have to do things like work. That's one of the ways that people will solve these kinds of problems, and I believe it's an appropriate response. But when we go to work or we interact with other people in the marketplace or on the job or wherever, we will experience other opportunities to have problems because there are all kinds of challenges that occur between people in social interactions when people say things we don't like or we say things that they don't like, when we do things that somebody else doesn't approve of or they do something that we don't approve of. There are lots of opportunities to be faced with all kinds of problems And we need to learn how to deal with these problems and how to solve these problems and get through these problems. It's very important to understand this. This is one way to describe the differences between a child and an adult. This is one way that we can describe the differences between an immature person and a mature person. An immature individual is an individual who does not solve their problems, or, let me say it differently, they may solve their problems, but they create a lot more problems than what they had to begin with through their solution. This is a very important way to identify the differences between an immature individual and a mature individual, a child and an adult, and even though an adult might be 50 years old, they may still be acting like a 10-year-old just because their maturity level has never evolved beyond that because of their failure to learn how to solve important problems of life. So I believe that we can look at life in that context, and and that sets the stage to give us new opportunities to look at other things, such as growing from a child to an adult, from a person who is immature to being mature. This is one of the ways that a person can begin to accomplish those transitions When we look at our children, for example, we should be considering them as people, little people, who do not know how to solve their problems yet. And we, as their parents, have an obligation, in many ways, to teach our children how to solve problems. And hopefully, we know how to solve our own problems and solve these kinds of problems that they're faced with, because if we don't, or let me say it differently, if our solution model is not a healthy solution model, and we teach our kids these unhealthy solution models that create more problems than what they started with, well, then this is not necessarily going to be a very constructive experience. Now, sometimes people will solve their problems in very destructive ways. They might hurt somebody else, for example. If a person is hungry and they don't have any food, They find someone who does have food. They can just cause enough harm to that individual that that individual will surrender the food that they have and so that you can eat. Well, that is a solution to a problem, but that is a very destructive one, and I don't think it's an appropriate one. 
Some people might disagree with me that hurting someone else is an appropriate solution model, but I just don't believe that. And I think we should be very sensitive to the things that we do and the ways that we treat other people that we might be causing harm to them in order to deal with our own personal problems, and that, in my opinion, is immature. But in addition to that, we might harm ourselves. This is another solution model that people exercise. Suicide, for example, is a very popular solution model for people who fail to find a way to solve their problems. It is a way out. It is a way that people respond to serious challenges and difficulties in their life. So how would we solve this kind of a problem? If somebody is suicidal, how do we help this individual? How can we approach that? Well, when you have a society where the vast majority of people in this society are having trouble themselves solving their own problems, how much confidence can you really have that someone is going to help an individual who is going to solve their problems with suicide? The likelihood is pretty small. The opportunities are very few. And so one of the ways that people deal with this is they say, well, let's just drug them. Or we'll lock them into a padded room or something. We'll just lock them up and chain them down to some table or chair or something like that. We'll imprison them. We'll drug them. We'll do something in order to keep them from causing harm to themselves. And I can appreciate that sometimes that might be a valid way of dealing with that kind of a situation. But you have to be very careful with how you make decisions when it comes to things like this. Because let me give you an example. There's a popular drug called an antidepressant where people will take these drugs in order to deal with their desire to cause harm to themselves. But if you were to take the time to look into the research on these antidepressant medications, if you were truly willing to take the time and actually look into this research and not be lazy about it, but actually look into it, if you were to do this, you would probably discover, as I have, that suicide is a side effect of taking some antidepressants. It's a well-known, understood, documented fact through research. It has been shown that antidepressants can, some of them at least, can result in people causing harm to themselves or harm to others. Now, this is a very serious matter. I mean, if somebody is wanting to kill themselves and then you decide to give them a drug that is known to invoke suicidal thoughts and tendencies and homicidal thoughts and tendencies in people who never had them before, then what kind of a solution is that? I mean, seriously, think about that. I've talked with people about this where people have said, oh my goodness, don't ever tell someone that they should not take an antidepressant because they might kill themselves. And I think, you are absolutely crazy. How can you say something like that? Because it's well known that if somebody does take those things, then it will cause them to commit suicide. So maybe one person won't but hundreds or thousands of people will. What kind of a solution model is that? One person might kill themselves, and so let's make sure that thousands of people kill themselves. 
Now, there's an easy way to solve this problem. Just pretend I never said that. That's a reasonable problem-solving technique, isn't it? Just denial. We can just use that one. I'm sure that will solve these kinds of problems, won't it? No, absolutely not. Or just be lazy and don't look into it. Just claim ignorance. And that's the way you can solve that problem. You can still encourage people to try to solve their problem by creating more problems. Folks, I believe that everyone finds a way to solve their problems. I do. The problem is is that people are using problem-solving techniques that create more problems in their life than what they had to begin with. And this solution model, this problem-solving technique that people use can include doing something and not doing something, living in denial or living in reality. There are many ways to approach the problems of life, but regardless of how you approach them, you are still going to be confronted with them. You are in this world. You are dealing with the problems of this world. And if you fail to find a reasonable way to respond to the issues of life, if you fail to do that, and you also fail to find someone who can perhaps give you different ways, different strategies to deal with the problems of life, you are responsible. You are responsible, regardless of whoever was responsible to teach you these things, regardless of anything, you are still going to be the one who will suffer for your decisions. And so what I really want to say, what I really want you to understand is that it is very easy to solve a problem in a way that creates more problems than what you started with. But it is very hard sometimes to solve a problem in a way that you will then have fewer problems than what you started with. It is very hard. It can be very difficult. And because of that, there is a lot of dysfunction in the world. That's just simply the way it is. And yet in the midst of that, we as individuals can still navigate our way through it. You know, some very interesting studies have been done on the journals of people who have committed suicide. You really should look into this. You really should. If you think that this subject is important to you, if you have anything in your life that would require you to know something about this in order to be responsible with the relationships that you have with other people, then look into it. Look into the research of the analysis of journals from people who have killed themselves. There has been some very good research done on this, and one of the conclusions that has been presented, which I think was very well done, was that the overwhelming majority of people who have committed suicide did not do so out of despair or depression. The main reason why they killed themselves was because they were unable to find a way to solve the problems that they were faced with. That's how important this subject is, in my opinion. I really believe that it's that important, that people will tend to be focused on depression, despair, these things, which do have their validity, no question about that whatsoever. But by focusing on those, they can easily fail to see the real root problem, which has to do with poor problem-solving techniques, because even the despair and depression is often the result of a failure to solve a problem in a healthy way. So I'm going to spend some time talking about problems that we face in life and the different ways that we 
tend to solve these kinds of problems? Because I believe that if we will deal with this issue, then there are many other issues in our lives that will then be easily solvable when we deal with these other root core concerns. Now, the first thing that I would like to talk about concerning this is the subject of emotions. Emotions are very important, and yet they can be very deceiving. The reason why I say that is because, technically, emotions are nothing more than responses to whatever we are thinking. There are some very simple ways to look at this and to understand this. For example, take a few minutes to think about an occasion in your life when someone really rejected you. I mean, they said something or they did something, and it was terrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. I think that most everyone has had an experience like this, and so I'll use this as an example. If you would take five or ten minutes to think about what happened, eventually you're going to start feeling the emotions of rejection. You're going to experience some serious emotional change in your being if you were to spend a reasonable amount of time thinking about what happened long ago. Now, this is something that has already happened. This is something that has happened in the past. It's something that has already occurred. It's not happening right now. But your emotions are not able to distinguish between those things that have already happened versus those things that are happening right now. What I mean by that is that you can experience the same emotions today that you experienced 50 years ago or 10 years ago. The same emotions will come up. They can be exactly the same as they once were, maybe even worse or maybe a little bit less. But my point is, is that emotions are nothing more than responders to whatever it is we are thinking. That is what an emotion is. Emotions can be extremely deceiving, very deceiving. They are very important. I do believe they are important and that we should embrace our emotions and be thankful for our emotions We should be thankful for our ability to have emotions, but at the same time, we should understand that if we believe we are to make our decisions in our lives according to our emotions, well, then there could be some serious consequences for that. We could have some serious problems as a result of that. Now, just as we might think of things in the past, we can also think about things in the future, things that have not happened yet things that might actually happen, or things that will never happen. But the more you think about those things, the more detail you put into your thought process concerning those things, you will begin to experience emotions. And these emotions will not be able to distinguish between what is happening now and what might or might not happen in the future. Those things will be total, absolute fantasies that might actually come to pass, but they're still fantasies, and your emotions will not be able to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Again, your emotions will never allow you to distinguish between fantasy and reality. Now, this is a very important thing to understand because there are many people 
who live their lives by their emotion. And there are some serious consequences related to that. First of all, you'll discover that a lot of these people live in this bizarre fantasy of some kind, and that's simply because they they live their lives by their emotions and they are subjected to whatever it is that they are thinking. And what they are thinking might be valid or invalid, but at this point, it doesn't even matter because they are not living in reality anymore. That is a serious consequence because the way a person lives their lives can be so destructive to themselves and others that the problems that they create can be enormous, absolutely enormous. Now, in addition to that, it's very easy to victimize an individual who lives by their emotions. It is very easy to do that. Make no mistake about this, that if you live your life according to how you feel, according to your feelings, according to your emotions, if this is how you live your life, it will be very easy for people to take advantage of you. Because all they have to do is lie to you, make you think that they are telling you something that's true. Your emotions will react to that. And if that's how you make your decisions, if that's how you live your life, then you will be an easy victim of anyone who lies to you. It'll be trivial, absolutely trivial. And so there will be wonderful opportunities for you to have an absolutely miserable life because of the consequences that you will then experience because you live your life according to your emotions, not according to reality. Now, again, sometimes emotions are the response to reality and sometimes they're the response to fantasy. But there is no way that your emotions are going to be able to distinguish between the two. So if you are going to make decisions in life, these decisions have to be separated from your emotions, which is a challenge. It's a major challenge. It's a difficulty that I believe people have to learn in many cases. It's something that an individual has to learn that their emotions can deceive them and that sometimes, regardless of their emotions, they still have to make decisions. And if their decisions are not made on the basis of facts, on the basis of evidence, on the basis of consequences, if they don't make their decisions according to these things, then it will be very easy for them to destroy their life and the lives of people who are around them. Very easy to do that. So when you consider subjects such as problem solving, subjects such as emotions, depression, despair, these kinds of things, you really have to understand this. Because if you do not, then I don't know what else to tell you, honestly. I really have to start here. This really is the most important. Because, you know, there are a lot of things that people think about that cause them to be depressed. And I personally think that that is the appropriate reaction, that they really should be depressed because what they think about is really depressing. I mean, it really is. And so if they were not depressed, I would be concerned. I would wonder, well, why is it that you're not depressed when you're thinking about something that's extremely depressing? That doesn't seem appropriate to me. That seems a little unnatural. I'd be concerned. I mean, if your wife or your husband told you that they never wanted to see you again and they wanted to try to find some way to destroy the rest of your life and you were not depressed about that, 
I would be concerned about you. I just, I would. I would be a little bit concerned and wonder if your brain was operating in the way that it should. So the way that a person thinks, whether it's valid or not, the way that a person thinks, if you don't understand the responses to that, then it can be very easy to be deceived into problem-solving techniques that will not only not solve those problems, but will definitely create new ones. There are many people who live their lives under this principle, the principle of the priority in life is to feel good, that the only thing that really matters more than anything that can possibly matter in life is me feeling good. Now, I can say a lot about that, but I want you to consider that this is the reason why a lot of people experience depression. Because if this is going to be the focus of your life, and life just isn't about that, that's not really what life is about, if that's the case, then you're going to experience a lot of disappointment. Especially when you consider that feeling good has to do with, first of all, what you are thinking. It has to do with what you are thinking in most cases. Now, of course, there are some physiological issues as well. If you have the flu, you're not going to feel good, for example. But when it comes to our thinking, this is a serious matter. If we believe things that are not true, then we're not going to feel good. And also, if we live in denial of things that are true so that we do feel good because these other things can be very depressing, then we are also going to create enormous problems in our lives that will then result in consequences that will definitely not help us feel good at all. So you have to realize, you must realize that Yes, it is important to feel good. There are wonderful things about feeling good. But if you use this as an excuse to live in some altered state of consciousness, if you use this as an excuse to not live in reality and deal with the problems of life that we have, because this is not heaven and this is not the Garden of Eden, This is a world filled with evil and sin and suffering. And if we don't deal with that and live in the midst of it, then we will never know the true joy that our God has for us. There's a lot to be said about this. I'm out of time. I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,